Well, good morning, everybody. Hopefully my microphone's on. You hear me out there? All right, great. Uh, We are... You know, we are in Easter, right? Happy, happy Easter. We, we, we say happy Resurrection Day, you know, welcome. And uh, I want to, I'm going to just kind of dive right in. Usually I would kind of tell some stories, but I want to dive right in because on this day, just imagine people from 2,000 years ago that were following Jesus and they watched Jesus suffer on the cross. And they looked at him and And as Jesus is suffering on the cross, he looks to heaven and he goes, it is finished. And into your hands, I commit my soul. And this is the moment before his last breath, they start to feel the earth tremble and the, and the rocks shook and the sky darkened. And then you had the disciples that were with him and the disciples who believed in him, who risked everything, who left everything behind to follow him. We're terrified and crushed at this moment. I mean, just think about this. Just think that if you had been, if Jesus comes to you as you're, you're Peter, and he comes to you and says, hey, stop what you're doing and follow me and become a fisher of men. And then all of a sudden, you've been following him for three years, and then they, they crucify him, and everything comes to an end, and you're like, oh my, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? And here's what it says in scripture. So I'm in Matthew 28, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And I'm reading from an NLT, which is probably not what you're carrying. You probably have an NIV or King James or something along those lines. So if you want, follow above me on the the wall here. But it says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. You know, just sat on the stone and just kicked back and said, look what I did. (laughs) Hey, check this out. And, and, And it says, his face shone like the lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman and said, don't be afraid. You ever notice that every time an angel comes around, they always have to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I, 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 I promise I'm not here to take you yet. Don't be afraid. And, and, and so, and he goes, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as it said it would happen. So today, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's the cornerstone of our faith. You know, it's the crowning proof that Jesus defeated death. And and see, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ because of what happens here. Now, when you start going into Scripture, you start to see there's 13 post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And and all of these are before Jesus ascends to heaven. So before he's taken into a cloud, before... And before the disciples get their divine assignments, you know, the great commission to go out and make disciples of everywhere. And right before he gives that commission, there's a little verse that most people miss often. They just skip over it. And it's Matthew 28, verses 16 and 17. They just skip to this. And it's important here. They've already kicked out Judas, right? Judas is already gone. Verse 20, you know, here it is in verse 28, Matthew 28, verse 16. It says, then... The 11 disciples left for Galilee, 
going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. And here's the line that most people miss. It says, but some of them doubted. But some of them doubted. And see, that's the thing. Today, I want to talk to you about dealing with your doubt as we're going into the Easter season. Because see, some of them doubted. You know, and see, here's what happens. Some of us, we can find ourselves to be full of faith and yet still have doubts. We can be full of faith and yet, so there's times where you're so close to God, so present, he feels so, so close, and we know that he's with us and he's good. Well, then there's times where it's just like, man, I just, I, I, I believe, I just don't understand it, but God, I, do you even, are you there? It's just what happens with us. You know, and it's just what goes on. And then we have these full of faith moments, and then suddenly we're not so sure. We skip out on church. We go off on our own little direction. We go into church, maybe, and we see everybody else worshiping, and we go, why don't I feel God? Why don't I get the goosebump moments? Why is he answering my prayers? Why is it that I'm just experiencing bad things? Why is it that this is going on? Why is it even real? Is it, why do I feel the way I feel? And see, when you start to doubt, it's a scary feeling, and we want to ask questions about it. When we start to doubt, we start to want to ask questions, and we start to worry, am I the only one that feels this way? And, we, and maybe we even get to this point of guilt and feeling a little ashamed. Because we go, I know that God, you know, I, I just know. And, and we see people at this point, you should tell you right now, is that the church in the Western, Western culture, so you'd say Western Europe and the United States, we're seeing the church decline at such a rapid pace that it's, it, it, it's actually kind of scary to see how fast it's declining. It's, it's, it's really, the church currently, prior to COVID, was, was decreasing about 10% every year. So if a church had 100 members, it had 90 members the next year, 80 members the year, or, you know, 90, 81 members the following year, you know, it just, it, that's the decline rate. That's, how, that's what it is, 10%. With COVID, when the numbers come out, Churches are declining at about 40% per year right now. So if they were at 100, they're now at 60. If they were at, if they were at 1,000, they're now at 600. It's just kind of how the numbers are going. People are leaving the church in droves. That's what's happening. They're, they're, and it's not because God isn't good. And it's, it, the questions that people continue to ask is this. And maybe they don't even ask, maybe they don't feel safe asking these questions. Maybe that's the reason why we're leaving them and they're leaving in droves. It's because people don't feel safe asking the question. And we, and we have to go, why do you doubt? We have to ask that question. We have to go, why do you doubt? Hey, I don't know what's happening back there, but let's pay attention to this, please. Why do you doubt? And it says, so some of the times why we doubt, number one, is because there's questions we can't answer. There are questions we can't answer. So just think about this. Some of us, we have this statement that comes up, why did so-and-so get sick? I can't answer that question. I, I, can I answer that question? Why did this person get sick? Why did this happen? Why did that person die? Why is this going on? I, you know, we can't answer those questions because it's impossible for us to ask. That's okay. I don't mind kids crying. Jesus said, let all the little kids come to me. For they have stronger faith than most of us in this room. So we, we, we can deal with kids crying. It's when, it, it's, no. Anyway. 
there's questions we can't answer. It just happens. I've had people, people have come to me at funerals and go, why did God take him? I don't know. I don't talk to Jesus like that. I don't have these conversations. Like, oh yeah, that's, that's why. You know, like, I don't know. So, or how about this? When a situation seems unfair. Anybody ever had something where you look at a situation and go, why is that person getting that and I'm getting what I got? Why is this happening for that person? Or why is this going on? Or why is that happening? Situations that seem unfair. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You don't want a God who is fair. We talked about this. If you had a fair God, it would be, you know, so we go back to Old Testament. Old Testament says it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And a, so if you want to go back to fair, fair is you know, a lot of one people walking around. What happened to your other hand? I got caught stealing. I don't know what happened. And that's what happens. You don't want to step into one of those things. You don't want to look at this and go, why does that situation seem unfair? And then, and then the last one that we tend to have often are a hurt that is unresolved. Why do we doubt? Because we have an unresolved hurt. There, there's hurts that we just can't do this. And see, see, I will tell you this, is some Christians can't bend. You know, see, some Christians can't bend. You know what happens to, anybody ever gotten a stick that doesn't bend? You, you ever grab one, you're like, hey, why doesn't this bend? What, how do you make, how, what happens to it when you try to bend it? It breaks. And see, that's what happens with Christians. Us Christians, we can't be, we, we don't like to bend, right? We just want to stay and we want to stay feel and, and we want to be legalistic and we want to stay rigid and without the bend without the flex without all of those things it ends up causing a problem it ends up making it to where when we become so rigid we break as christians and it causes us to go well if that person's getting this and if that person's getting that and i'm not getting that well i'm so rigid and god's supposed to be my cosmic coke machine and i get what i order delivered then how are we supposed to move forward? See, we have to get this. We see this all the time, right? Anybody in there, did you grow up in church? You know, did you grow up in church and then you looked at your parents and you're like, you fakes. <laughs> right? I know lots of Christians that went to church as kids and their parents were at home committing more sin than anything else ever happened. They would say the, the line in church, everything would be perfect in church, everything's magical, but at home, they were fighting, they were arguing, they were talking about one another, they called their kids, hey, you stupid, you know, and that's, is that what a Christian does, or are you just faking it? Is that what happens? And, or, you live in such a manner that your life is a complete contradict to the Bible. Completely contradicting the Bible. The Bible says love one another. You're like, mm-mm-mm, all mine, I'm selfish, I'm not giving anything to anybody. Right? right? Or how about this? You hang out with friends that don't believe, and you hang out with them often enough that they drag you into unbelief. They can't, you know. I'm going to use Vegas as a, as a, as just as an example. I don't want you to think that it's a sin to go to Las Vegas. I don't want you to think that I, I'm trying to call you out if you're going to Las Vegas anytime soon or anything like that. So I want to be want to be clear about that, right? I just want to be. It's called Sin City for a reason. Right? And everybody believes that what happens there stays there until it has, follows you home for 18 years. But, 
But here's what happens, is that we go to these things, right? We go to these places, and we go with friends that aren't believers. And so for us, we may go, I want to avoid this sin. I want to avoid that sin. I want to avoid this. Some of these sins I'll goo because I can, I can kind of, I got some self-control. But these other ones, I'm, I'm going to avoid these ones. But you have friends that are like, no, let's go. Come on, don't be a, you know, whatever you want to fill in that blank with. Right? Don't be blank. Don't be a chicken. Don't be a, you know, whatever. Let's go. And so you end up going out and then you start living a life that is contradictory to what the Bible teaches us to do because we put our, we surrounded ourselves with people that are unbelieving or negative or that just want to just drag us into sin. They actually, sometimes it's actually a way for us to be pulled away. The devil is using your friends to pull you away from God because he just goes, I know you'll fall to peer pressure every time, every time. Lots of people fall to it. That's what happens. So here's what happens. You hang out with friends that don't believe, boom, it, it just, it, it, it wipes you out. Or, or you hang out with Christians that abuse you and take advantage of you. Lots of Christians like to hurt people. They just do. They do. Lots of Christians like to hurt. Or how about this? You see it making its way across the news now. We see, so if you guys haven't seen it, I, I'll, I'll be the one that breaks the news to you. Hillsong is in massive trouble and it's falling apart. If you haven't seen it, Hillsong, the, the biggest church in the world, is in complete chaos, right? The leader has a spiritual fall, but here's the problem. The church, he's done, they've done so much good work. How many people have worshipped the oceans? Anybody in here? Oh, where my feet fail. You know, it's like, right? How many of us have worshipped to those things? How many of us have, been, have gone to a service where the music has caused us to all of a sudden we have this, this impactful moment and we go... I want to follow Jesus, and it happens. The problem is, is that now people are leaving in droves from Hillsong because the guy who leads it had one massive spiritual hiccup. And so all of a sudden, we see what's happening here. We see all the leadership fails, and we see what's going on, but it's causing people to leave the church in droves. And here's the thing, they're not going to other churches. They're just going home and sitting on the couch and watching Sunday morning cartoons. You know, see, that's the thing. You weren't probably a committed Christian if you were putting your faith on the hopes. And the, so here, we got to, I want to clear this up very, very, very quickly. If you're putting your hopes in me, I am going to let you down, possibly before the end of this service. Okay, I just want to let you know that. So you should know, and if you're watching at home, you should know I'm wearing jeans. I have a regular white T-shirt on. If I could pull off the, sweat, the coat now and just walk around with a white t-shirt because it's I'm over here hot, I would do it. But I'm sure that would fail some people. They'd be like, oh, he's just up there preaching in a white t-shirt and jeans? What is that? On Easter? Are you kidding me? <sighs> See, here's the thing. Bad happens. Bad happens. Happens in the church, happens outside of the church, happens everywhere. Bad happens. Part of it. See, here's the thing, though. If we're so rigid and we put our hopes in a man or we put our hopes in a, in a woman or we put our hopes in a disco, this is what my, my spiritual journey looks like, whatever Mike tells me it looks like. Please don't do that. Please. I, I, I encourage you, every time I preach, grab a Bible and make sure that I'm actually teaching the Word of God. And if I'm not, come back in here. You should be like, hey, uh-uh-uh, that's wrong. You should, you should be, and I'm well, well, well prepared for criticism and I, I might defend myself a little bit because you might come at me with some theological stuff from the left field. <laughs> but 
If I'm wrong, I will admit that I'm wrong. I, I will, and I, and I have no issue with that. I don't know at all. I know a lot about a little bit of things, or I know a little bit a lot of, about a lot of things, but I, you know, and so I'm going to make mistakes, and I want you to hold me accountable for that. But do not put your hopes and your salvation in me. You need to put that in Jesus. Amen. See, see, here's the thing. Your doubts, if they're handed properly, can be a catalyst to stronger faith. Your doubts, handled properly, can be a catalyst to stronger faith. See, if you're following along with this, here's your, you, we've already filled in a couple blanks, but here's this one that comes up. Your faith is a journey, not a destination. Your faith is a journey, not a destination. Okay? It will always, you're never going to get to the place you're going to go, boom, I'm faithful. Uh, you'll never change me from this. You'll never get to the, you know, you'll never find the place where X marks the spot and you're done. It does not work that way, right? It's a consistent, like you'll get to X and you'll be like, why did it move? I, like I stood here and all of a sudden it moved over to there. And that's what will happen. Your faith will be a journey. You will never get to a destination. And see, what we need to make sure is that the church should be the safest place to ask those hard questions when we are in doubt. We should be able to come in here and ask those questions. It shouldn't be one of those places that we come in and people go, did Jesus really die for my sins? And, and us, they go, of course he did, stupid. But why would we do that? It should be one of those things. Come on in here. We should really talk about this. If you have questions about it, because how many of us have had that question? How many of us have had that question? Did Jesus really die for me? Me. Now, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died for me today. That's a, by the way, if you don't have some sort of doubts, if you don't have some sort of questions, and we're just blindly leading you, that's a probably a problem as well. You should be asking questions. You should be going, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? What's happening here? Why, why am I struggling with this? The church should be the safest place to ask the hard questions. It should be. And, and we don't have it all together. We don't. You, I promise you there's plenty of times you'll ask me a question. I'll be like, let's go look that up together because I don't know. There's plenty of times for that. And we need to be okay with that. See, there is a difference between faith and belief. You got, you, I want you guys to understand this. Faith is a gift. And it gives, so God gives you faith and it gives us a measure, right? It goes, you can give a measure of faith. It can go more and more. See, but belief is not the same as faith. Belief is just one of those things you go, I believe. It doesn't mean that I don't have questions. It doesn't mean that I don't have any of those things. I, I just, it's not the same. But we like to put them together as being the same. So here, we're going to look at James 2.19. It says, you believe that there is one God. And then here's where he stops. Good. Like, you should believe that. See, even the demons believe that, is what the next line of this says. <sighs> Can we get the scripture up? You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. See, demons believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They didn't have to have faith. They didn't have to have that. They just believed. See, it's possible to have, to have good theology, the right beliefs, and no faith. Right? It's possible to have that. It's possible to go, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't have any faith that I'm going to go to heaven. Right? There's, it's possible to have that. And so when you go to Ephesians 2, for it is by grace that you have been saved 
through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. So you can't increase your faith. It doesn't work that way. It is a gift of God. So as you're doing more, God will give you more faith. See, it's, 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 see, it's not through grace that you get your beliefs. It's through grace that you get your faith. And, and so we get so confused about that. We go, I can move in this direction. I can do these things. See, you build your beliefs in God over time by studying the scripture, spending time in prayer. And you're not always going to be right. I've already told you, I'm not always going to be right. See, your faith is a journey, not a destination. There's going to be detours and doubts. There's going to be places you're going to go different times. See, I want you to understand this. And so here's the next line that comes up here. Your strongest faith isn't a faith that never doubts. Your strongest faith is a faith that grows through your doubts. So let's go back to this. The strongest faith isn't a faith that never doubts. The strongest faith is a faith, is a faith that grows through your doubts. So as you're doubting, as you're struggling, as all those things are coming up, your faith will grow. I mean, just think about it. As you go through turmoils, as you go through things, as you continue to grab onto God, as you continue to move in that direction, your faith grows stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. It's us that tends to go on the detour. It's us that goes into another, into another direction. John 20, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, and it says here, it says nickname the twin. So was not with the others when Jesus came. They told them, we have seen the Lord. <laughs> and just take Thomas after the resurrection, right? This is, this is, this is what it is. This is Thomas going there. And, and, and so when they say this, we have seen the Lord, they say it in Greek, and it's an active voice, right? We've seen him. He's, he was just here. You missed him. It's active. And it, it's like, you know, it's, it's just think about it. It's like going to CrossFit. You never stop while you're in CrossFit, right? It just continues to go. We've seen him. You know, it, so it's like when you go this, and, they, and here in verse 25, it says, they told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wounds in his side. It's John 20, 25. How many of us are that way? How many of us go, well, until I can touch him, I don't believe. You know, you know see, we, have the, we, have, we don't have the same advantage that the disciples had, right? The disciples, they were like touchy-feely. Hey, but we don't get that. You know, we get Jesus because of the stories that are handed down in the Bible. And that's how we get Jesus. And so for us, we're going to have doubts because of that. Because we don't get that. Until he has a movement in our lives, we will have issues. We will have things that are coming up. See, there's a reason why Thomas is known as Doubting Thomas. Right? Thomas gets a bad rap. And my goal now is to dignify his doubts. I want you to know that. I want you to know as we're going through this, I want to dignify his doubts. See, I can relate to Thomas. Maybe you can too. Thomas was a, a realist, right? He was a realist. He had hurts in life. He had disappointments. He had been through stuff. He had questions. I mean, just think about it. He had all of those things. Uh, you know, there wasn't st it wasn't like Thomas walked around, never got mad, never had any of those things. He, he got mad. You know, he hit his hand with a hammer. Guess what he would say? <laughs> right? It makes him human. So we, we should just think about this. And so here's what Oswald Chambers says. Doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. 
it may be a sign that he is thinking. It may be a sign that he's thinking. You know, I, it's just how it goes. So if you want to rank the disciples in order of strength, I think that Thomas is pretty high. You know, he's not known as, he's not a Peter, and he's not a Paul, but I'm sure that he's pretty high up there as well. I'm, you know, I mean, this is how you got to look at it. And so here's what it says. We're going to go a little further into this. John 11 uh, in verse 14a, so we're going to kind of jump into it a little bit, go through 16. It says, so then Jesus told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. So verse 15 now, let us go to him. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So, so T. Diddy wants to go out and, and, and he wants to go, he's like, hey, Lazarus is dead, so we should just go die with him. Like he's, he's one of these people of strong faith going, Lazarus is going to heaven right now. I, go, I, I, I don't want to end this journey. I want, I, I want to go and be with our Father in heaven. So in John 14, Jesus said, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. I don't know where you're going, but that's why T. Diddy's going, I want to go with you, Jesus. I want to go with you. I don't want to be here. I don't, I, I, how can we know the way? How do we know the way? He's already on his way. We'll just follow him. We'll just go along. See, Ch Thomas wanted to know for himself. That's what it is. <laughs> how many of you guys got kids? And if you got kids, don't your kids? I love how my son Michael, right? Never been a day in his life. Never been a day in his life. Driving down the road, he get, hey, you missed a turn. What? So you've never driven a day in your life. How do you know that I missed a turn? Because that's the way we always go. That doesn't mean that that's the right way to go, buddy. Sometimes your mom just doesn't know how to drive. You know? <laughs> She's not in here, so she doesn't know that, but that's right. She will find out. She'll watch it tomorrow. <laughs> she'll definitely find out. <laughs> I'll hear, she'll hear about it even before watching it tomorrow. So you should hear what your husband just said about you during service. He said that you don't know how to drive and you get lost all the time. And she'll go, yeah, he might be right. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully she'll admit to that. If not, I'll be dealing with it when you guys aren't around. So here's the thing. Thomas goes, I want to see for myself. I want to see. How did Jesus respond to Thomas's doubts? Just think about this. We don't see Jesus show up and go, he didn't show up and go, hey, you didn't believe in me the first time. All your boys told you, and yet you're like going, I need to believe myself. I, I it's not going to work. I got to see for myself. All right, well, Thomas, you're out. Kick rocks. He doesn't do that, right? He, he, through his doubts, he loves on him. He, comes, he says, eight days later is what it says. Verse 26. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. Key point, right? And here's the thing. The next line is, doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And here's what he says. Can you imagine? Just all of a sudden, the doors are locked here, and all of a sudden, boom, Jesus is in the middle of the room, and he goes, peace be with you. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. I, mean, I got to go clean the urine off of me a little bit, Jesus. I'll be back. Because that's how you would be. You would be like, I, I, you wouldn't respond well to Jesus just appearing in the middle of the room, just boom, like that. It just wouldn't happen. And so Jesus was standing among them. He says, peace be with you. And he said, then he said to Thomas, he said, put your finger here. Look at 
Put your hand in the wound on my side. Do be faithless any longer. And, and, and Thomas was my Lord and my God. Eight days later, Thomas shows up. Jesus shows up and goes, you're here. Eight days later. It, 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 you know, Jesus came to Thomas when he was doubting. Not, not when he was already strong in faith. Not when he was already had everything together. He gave him what he needed. One, one moment he was doubting. The next moment he was shouting. That's, that's literally what happened. One moment he's, and he exclaims. He's all, because he, that's what it says. It says that he, 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 he it says he, he, he exclaimed, but in here when it says that, it means he shouted. It means that he said, my Lord and my God, and he's, he, and he's saying it at the top of his lungs. He, he, and see, see, God is not distant in your doubts. We have to remember that. God is not distant in your doubts. Jesus is not a standoff savior. He, and he's willing to be touched. Can we please move the slide forward? I don't. I, so, that's not in your doubts. Jesus is not a standoff savior, and he's willing to touch. He feels far away. He feels that he's not there for you. Reach out to him. He's struggling. He's reaching for you. I don't, we're not there yet. I mean, man. Like I, I, they're not. Okay. Well, I could see the one was there. I could see the next slide up. And so here's the thing. Just blank it out then. That's good. You can just hit the X and blank it all out. And see, here's the thing. He's asking you to reach out for him. He's asking you to reach out for him. So, and he's reaching for you. And see, you can question, you can wrangle, you can struggle, you can doubt. You can. You can do all of those things. That's what he actually wants you to do. And see, I want you to know something. It's the greatest doubters often become the strongest believers. The people that doubt the most often become the strongest the strongest believer. See, the, the devil is trying to pull you away and drive doubt into you. That's what the devil's trying to do. That's, you know, he's trying to pull you away from God and drive doubt into you. But see, God can use your doubt to draw you into God. That's what he can do. He can, all those doubts that you have, he can draw in. And you just have to embrace some of that stuff and move forward. See, Thomas and the other disciples in Matthew 28, they're standing on a mountain. And he tells them, Go. You know, and see, then Thomas goes out, his doubt, out, so after his doubt, he's, he's going out to go make disciples in all the country, in all the places. And then Thomas goes and preaches Jesus faithfully. And then, like, it's a tradition. And he goes in, and, he, and if you guys don't know, Thomas is martyred in India in 72 AD. He, he, they, they, he literally, they take him and they just kill him for preaching Jesus. That's what happens. See, your doubts don't disqualify you from faith. Your doubts don't disqualify you from faith. You, you know, see, here's the thing. Faith isn't the absence of doubt. Faith is the means to push through it. That's what it is. Your faith pushes you through the doubt. So as you're going through and your faith up, it helps you push through it. Here, let's look at, so Psalms 23.4. Right? I mean, just think about it. If you've ever read Psalms, you open it up. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I'm walking through the shadow of death. I'm walking through this valley. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm going through all of this thing. As we walk through the valley, it's a shadow of doubt. 
That's what we're dealing with. See, don't let doubt be your dead end. That's the problem. We allow doubt to become our dead end often. You have to keep walking. You have to keep acting. You have to keep, show, you have to keep showing up. You have to keep searching. You have to keep doing these things. You can't let it just be, this is the dead end. This is where it is. See, come to Jesus. Your faith is a journey. It's not a destination. So if you have doubts, come to Jesus. If you are struggling, come to Jesus. If you are uncertain, come to Jesus. If you, are, if you have questions, Jesus welcomes your questions, come to Jesus. If you have sex baggage, come to Jesus. If you have secret addictions, come to Jesus. If you have church hurts, come to Jesus. See, it's time to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because it's the cornerstone of our faith. That's what it is. It's the crowning proof that Jesus defeated death. We're called to come in and we're called to come to him. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of Jesus. That's what it tells us in Romans. Nothing. See, the problem is we allow everything to do it. We allow all of these things. See, if you stand fast in your faith, nothing can separate you from Jesus. But you can allow your addictions to do it. You can allow your doubts to do it allow money issues to do it you can allow all these things to separate you from the love of jesus you can allow it it's completely your call but if you come to jesus he's been waiting for you he's been waiting going i've been reaching out for you i've been just I, i've been sitting here you know i i, I uh, anybody in here ever seen the movie forrest Gump? some of you like that movie some of you don't but you, you, did you ever did you ever, so, did you ever pay attention the whole time, where was Forrest at? The, the whole time he's sharing the story, where was he at? He was on a park bench, waiting. I like to think that Jesus is on a park bench, just waiting for us. Just sitting there, sharing stories with other people, waiting for us to sit down next to him, so that he can embrace us, that he can love us, that he can share with us, that he can, that he can help share, hey, this is where we're going to go, and this is the journey we're going to go on together. But, too often, we allow the distractions of the park prevent us from getting to the park bench. We see, the, we see the, the, the monkey bars, and we're like, oh, those look like fun. And we see the swings, and we see all these things, and then we allow the devil to distract us from actually getting to Jesus. We, we allow those distractions. We, we, oh, that's pretty. Let's go over there. And, and we get there, and we don't actually ever get to a true experience with Jesus. We don't ever actually get to, and see, that's the problem. We don't ever actually truly go to try and experience and have an encounter with Jesus. We come to church, and we're like, hey, I like the songs, kind of like the people here. They suck sometimes, but I really like them most of the time. You know, and, and that's what it is. We come here for our relationships. We come here for whatever we have going on, but we don't actually come here on Sunday morning to have a true encounter with Jesus came here for a true encounter with Jesus, we wouldn't allow anybody what, what they were wearing, what they had going on, any of those things to prevent us from that happening. We wouldn't allow our hindrances, we wouldn't allow anything else to prevent us from worshiping the way that he's asked us to worship, to allow us to fall out. I, I'm not saying I want you to start falling out in church, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that at all. Don't come up here and be like, do you have a sheet to cover? I, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that here. Not because we don't want it to happen, but because because we, we, it's not one of those things we don't want. We don't want fakery, right? That's what we don't. 
Be real. Be hurting. I can tell you right now, I'm, I, I am probably the realest person that you'll ever meet preaching the Word of God because I am, I hurt. I, I, I get stressed. I, I, I struggle often with what, am I, what God's telling me to do, which direction to go, what am I supposed to do in the next steps, how am I supposed to move forward, how, and, I'll, and I'll put all of that out here. Uh, 95% of the messages that I preach here are to me. They're, they're not to you, they're to me. Because I need this more than you need it. I am broken and hurting. And all I'm trying to do is point people to Jesus. All I'm trying to do, because that's the only direction that I know to go, but you find that. You can come here, and, and we come here often, and we go, I want to put it, I want to act like I have it all together. That's how we come in. We walk in the door like we have it all together. We don't have it all together. Anyway, we, are, we are broken and hurting. You have a good facade. You have a good facade. You just walk in here, and you're like, look, I painted this thing up right today. You know, you, you can, whatever that's clothing, or however you did your makeup, or whatever you did, you know, it's all those things. You, we all have a good facade. And, and on behind that facade, we are messy, broken individuals. That, that's how we're supposed to walk into the church. We're supposed to walk in broken and hurting. It's not supposed to be one of the, and, and I love going to some of these churches where you walk in and everything is glamorous. You're like, wow, you know, like, hey, they all, like, you're, the first Sunday of the month where it's hat day, like, man, this is great. I love this. But see, that's the thing is that it's all part of that facade of putting up this fakery. Don't play fakery here. Be broken. We're broken. And we're all pursuing Jesus together to, to make it to where he can be the one that heals us, that he can be the one that, that makes up for that brokenness. I, 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 I'm, gonna, I'm way outside of my notes, and so just bear with me for a couple more minutes. It'll, it'll make some sense after a while. I always use the drummer's side to be, uh, to be this, this is the furthest side into sin, right? You could be, if we get over, over there, that's like the 1%. You could be one that's the bad side, right? This is the 1% that's bad. You know, you'd be like, hey, I'm 1% good, right over there. Then you can get all the way over to here, and you could be 99% good, right? You have 1% good, 99% good. You could be over here. But here's the difference, and here's the deal. Jesus makes up for the 99% or the 1%. That's how it goes. Jesus makes up for all of it. It doesn't matter if you only need 1% more to get into heaven to be good, or if you need 99% more to get into heaven to be good. Jesus covers all of it. He makes all of it, he makes you 100% good. When you walk up to the gate, he goes, no, 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 he's good. I signed for him. I co-signed. I let him in. He, you got good credit with Jesus. This is how it works. He lets you in, he goes, and he tells you when you walk into heaven, he goes, hey, you need to stop that now. You're here. Now stop all that. Stop all the fakery. Come on in. But, and that's, that's the deal, though. We have to get to this mindset of going that we're broken. Stop trying to be perfect. Now, you can start making progress to being more and more like Jesus every day. And understand, you might get to that 99%, but you'll never, ever get to 100% good. So don't try and play like you're 100% good, because you'll never be there. You'll never be there. So you have to get from this point of going, I, I, I'm, I, I have to walk into church being perfect. I have to walk into church doing this. This is the whole point. Come to Jesus. Hey, this is the whole point about Easter. He resurrected from, the, from this tomb in order for you to be able to come to be made 100% good. 
Not because you were supposed to already be good before you walked in the door. Not because you were supposed to have everything together before you walked in the door. Not because you thought whatever it was that prevented you from walking in the door originally. Because he wanted to just have an encounter with you. He just wants a relationship with you. He wants a, a healthy relationship with you. But he wants a relationship with you. I, I love, I talked about this often, and I love the, when you look at the woman at the well. The woman at the well comes up, and she's getting water. And as she's getting water, Jesus comes up and he says, hey, can you get me a cup of that, please? And she looks at Jesus and she goes, you're not even supposed to talk to me, brother. You're, 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 I'm definitely not supposed to give you any water. And he goes, why? Why? She goes, because I'm a sinner. And he goes, oh, I know that. I know you've been the wife to many husbands. I know that. Can I get some water, please? I'm thirsty. <laughs> and, and, and see, here's the thing is that that's the type of love that we're... So here's the thing is that each one of us, we come in here, and we may not be the wife or the husband of many husbands and wives or whatever, but each one of us has come in, and Jesus already knows. Jesus already knows. He goes, oh, I know that you came from addiction. I know that you came from this. I know that you came from this place. I know where you came from. You're here now, though. Let's drink this water together. Let's be the living, this, let's have this living water so that you will thirst no more. That's what he's trying to do. And here we are, we're going in our own little direction, going, no, 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 I got to be perfect, or I got to have this together, or I got to have that together before I can really walk in and, and have an encounter with Jesus. And now he's going, I don't need you to have the best voice to worship me. I don't need you to have your hands all up in the sky to worship me. I don't need all of those things. I just need your heart to be in the right place. I just need your heart to be in the right place. So I want us to do today, this, this resurrection day, this Easter Sunday, I want, to get us, I want our hearts in the right place. That's what I want. And I, and I know some of you have been Christians for 50 years, and I know some of you have been Christians for five days. And some of you, you're not even Christians yet. You're just like, oh, I like the idea of this, Mike, but it's got my doubts. And that's okay. We'll work through those, and we'll get there. But what I want us to do is I want, to get us, I want us to get our hearts in the right place. And how do we do that? We ask Jesus to forgive our sins, our transgressions. We ask him to forgive, forgive all of the things that we have in our past, the doubts that we had as we pulled into the parking lot, the, the hurts that we had as we came in here, and we just need to realign myself to you, God. I need to realign myself to your desire, your will for my life. I don't know what that is, but I'm, I'm willing to start figuring it out. So as we can look at this, because just think about it, Thomas has doubts day one, but eight days later, all of a sudden those doubts are gone, and he's, and he's, having, this, he's having this moment where he's going, God, look at, I'll go out and I'll be the martyr. I'll go out and preach the word, and I'll, and I'll shout from the treetops and the rooftops and the mountaintops that you are king and Lord, and you are our risen savior. That's where we need to be at. We can only do that, though, when we, when we sit here and we go, okay, how do I, I got to realign to what Jesus' will is for my life. And so let's start there. So uh, bow your heads. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. I promise nobody's going to take your wallet right now. I promise nobody's going to go digging through your purse. I promise that this is just a time for you to be able to have your encounter with Jesus. For you to just go, here's what I want you to do. Just go, just, you don't have to repeat after me. Just maybe in your mind you can repeat it and just go, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died for me and that a Sunday 2,000 years ago you were resurrected so that I could be 
so that I could be saved, so that I could have eternity in heaven with you. Father, I don't know it all. I don't know, I don't even have the slightest idea of everything that I'm supposed to do, but I'm willing to start today to build my faith and to work through my doubts. Father, help me realign my heart to you. Help me realign my will to your will for my life. And help me love as you loved us while you were here. If you prayed that with me right now, keeping your head down, if you prayed that you just want to align your heart and your life and your will to God, to Jesus and to follow along and to have an encounter with him today, would you just raise a hand with me? Would you just put one hand up and go, God, I know that you have something in store. You have a new direction, a new place, a new pathway for me. And, and God, I'm, I'm ready for it. You can put your hand down. Father, thank you. For all of us, we ask and just go, we, we ask that you redirect our steps now to, to the house of the Lord to where we can have joy, to where we can have peace, to where we can have comfort, to where we, we don't have to have the facade up, that we can let the walls down and just be ourselves so that we can help one another grow closer to you, Father. The scripture tells us in Hebrews 10.25, let us not forsake meeting together so that we can build one another up. We can't do it when we're being fake. We can't do it when we have doubts that we're not willing to work through, and we can't do it when we're not showing up to have people lift us up. So, Father, help us. Help us to cast away the doubts so that we show up. Help us to cast away the, the, the morning where we go, I just I don't know how I'm going to get there today. That We just go, I'm going to get there. And I'm going to trust that you're going to get me home afterwards. That I'm going to come home encouraged. And, and I'm going to come home with a, new, with a new lease on the direction that you have for my life because somebody spoke affirmation into my life as I walked in the door today. Father, thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.